1: I'm so privileged and I'm really, really so delighted to welcome PJ Powers, affectionately known as Tandeka, onto the show. Um, I don't think I, I need to say anything more. Her, her, she, she speaks for herself, her, her beauty and her fame. PJ,
2: welcome, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show. Uh, hi, Nikki. Oh, Wow. What am I to be after that kind of introduction? Mm, gosh. I mean, well, I'm so it's true. and, and uh, so human. It's, it's, gosh, yeah, yeah, talk about being human. That's uh, my middle name. Um, A yeah. ball just, just, <laughs> of mistakes, really. Aren't we all
1: PJ? Yeah, and, it's, uh, and, I, yeah, yeah. and it's recognizing our humanity that just connects us and, and helps us grow, really.
2: Well, absolutely. Uh, You know, I mean, the the thing is, if you don't go from your if we don't, uh, um, learn something. And, you know, one doesn't want to finger point or do that kind of stuff. But it's sad and it's a shame if we don't learn from what we have been through. And that can be, you know, it can be tiny, it can be big, it can be rock bottom, or it can be something that makes you anxious. But when you get through that anxious feeling, learn from what it is that you did to get out of that anxious space. And that's my journey at the moment, actually.
1: Well, that's why we we really are so delighted that you've come onto the show, because I think that when you have the kind of life that you've had, um, and when you kind of symbolize what you have symbolized, as I said, people do put you on a pedestal, and we live through, yeah, I hear that, but we, we also live, you know, you just have to look at Instagram, and everyone's projecting this perfect image, this perfect facade. God forbid we don't look 100% or we have those down days. And so we're kind of, uh, I don't know, we're, we're, we're trying to make up for these mistakes or these imperfections as if there's something wrong with them. So when someone like you, PJ, puts it out there and says, this is me. Um, this is what's happened. This is what rock bottom feels like. This is what I've had to do. As I said, we realize okay, okay. So the, it's not that there's something wrong with me. It's that we as human beings have a shared experience. We have a shared experience. So so PJ, a very quick break and then we're going to come back because I want to go back to you. We're going to go back in time. We want to hear about um, w- when you were born oh. in, and you know why, how it was that you started singing. So stay with us. We're going to be right back
0: life isn't about avoiding the bruises it's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it join nikki seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness there is a warrior inside each of us this is lifelinks with the dl link lifelinks is a funding initiative of the dl link welcome
1: back uh, pj powers is on the show today um PJ, born Penelope Jane Dunlop um, in Durban. Uh-huh. Tell us more. Tell us more. How, who, who was Penelope Jane Dunlop? What were you like growing up, and why did you fall in love with singing?
2: I think, uh, yes, I, I did grow up in Durban. And Penelope Jane Dunlop was the last of four children. My mum had three kids in three years, and then six years later, she fell pregnant with me. So I oh, wow. was... Um, I was very much younger. I grew up almost like an only child because of it, because my brothers and sister, of course, went ahead of me to school, went ahead of me to boarding school, because in my family, that's what you did. And um, I basically created myself and my nanny, uh, uh, Lillian, who is, in fact, Lillian is who I dedicate my book to, and who I will be seeing next month, because we're doing a a, a, a 90 minute documentary on my life and she will be on the documentary. Oh, um, fantastic. so, but, um, I was, I sort of was at home with my mum and Lillian and, uh, I listening to the click song and dancing. My mum was terribly musical and, um, basically what ha- I knew from the age of five that what I wanted to do was sing. Uh, I used to follow my sister around when she was at home. Um, with a tape recorder saying, please won't you interview me. So I really am the manifestation of what I, of what I was then. And when I was five, I did think I was a famous singer. Um, not just a singer. I wasn't interested in just being a singer. I wanted to be a famous singer. And um, my grand was very, very talented. She played beautiful piano and classically trained. And of course, um she would play and I would sing and so that was my trajectory but you know I never wanted to be anything else I wasn't interested in boys I wasn't interested in anything I wasn't interested in schoolwork. I was I was a bit interested in history that kind of floated my boat, and a bit in English but otherwise for the rest I was like why am I bothering with this but of course my parents were those I come from a sort of a very um uh you know sort of English what can I say um Left wing for the time, liberal, white South Africans, you know, where, uh, you know, you know, I suppose quite colonialist that, you know, when I, when I think about it and I say it out loud, you know, Mm -hmm. we are what we are and we become what we become. And, um, so that was my, that was my childhood. And I, my dad called me into his study one day after I'd written my trick and passed, which was a huge shock to me because, (laughs) um, I thought to myself, oh, dear God, I haven't passed And then somebody phoned me to say my name was in the newspaper, which I said was was completely shocking. And then my father took that opportunity to ask me, because I think he thought I was going to fail, what I was considering doing at university. And I said, well, I'm not going to university. And uh, he kind of said, what? What are you going to do? So I said, I want to become a singer. So there was a lot of screaming and shouting and doors slamming and wrists and fingers shaking and God alone knows what. But um, six months later, I was in Johannesburg. I won a talent contest and joined a band called Jim Slip, wrote a song called You're So Good to Me, which became an enormous hit in the black market. And you must remember that we're talking about in 1982, when apartheid was, you know, I mean, it was just how black people in this country decided that they loved me um, it's the greatest gift that I've ever been given. And I was given the name Tandega and my entire life did a 180 degree turn and I started to be influenced. I mean, I'm giving you a completely quick synopsis, musical synopsis. Lo- we want to get on the other stuff it? Are we loving of the it? past. And uh, my, my entire life did a 180 degree turn and um, I uh, I became Tandega and was privileged enough to explore the whole of South Africa. Um, and uh, and and be be a part. And then later on, after Hotline had, had broken up, I explored further afield into Africa. And uh you know, as I sit, Jabalani was the most downloaded song in Africa in 2016. And if you analyze that wasn't so long ago, if you analyze that Jabalani was released in nineteen eighty four. Um, so it's been a a wonderful one. My musical journey has been an amazing journey. obviously it's got its ups and downs, but I can't say that I, I've been incredibly spoilt with a lot of love. And it's something I don't take for granted for one single solitary second mm. especially not in the last 11 years when my life has become so much more valuable because um i've been i've been sober for 11 years and um and i suppose just on, upon reflection i've lived a glorious wonderful privileged life the other day my sister-in-law said to me you were born under a lucky star and i think i was i was born under a lucky star it's not yeah. to say i haven't worked hard But Mm. I've had a lot of luck and a lot of love. Mm, sounds like a lot fell into place. I mean, you hear
1: about, uh, yep. people being an overnight success and, and I love in interviews, so many people say, well, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. It's not exactly an overnight success. No. But in your case, it kind of sounds like it, PJ. Yeah. I mean, winning the yeah, yeah, competition I, I, and being embraced I have by. To be Ken,
2: i to yeah. honest. I, Nikki, you're absolutely right is I think that, um, you know, people don't like to own up to being overnight successes because it sounds like it's, you know, like it's dig, but as i say we we were what we were and we are what we are and now when you say that out loud it it probably was i mean i was i was on i was number one on just about every single south african chart when i was 19 years old oh then i left home when i was 17 so Mm -hmm. you go figure you know uh that in musical terms is most definitely an overnight success uh it's a it's it, it is I, and and nobody's ever put those words in my mouth so congratulations. <laughs> That's the first time I've owned up to being an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well there it is uh, but how, how does it feel at the age of
1: nineteen when you've only just left home at seventeen, which is pretty young, um to switch on the radio and hear your songs, you're this huge success.
2: What, what's that like what's what's going through your mind at that stage? I think that listening to my own voice has never been one of those things that I've sat back and listened and gone, sure. But the excitement of being on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, has, was very exciting. And you know, still is, um, I, I'll hear whatever songs, whether it feels so strong or you're so good to me, or one of my hits, when I hear it on the radio, I get very really excited. You know, it's acknowledgement. It's, it's fabulous. It's fun. Um, Having said that, I don't own any of my own vinyl CDs. I don't. I mean, I don't listen to my own voice. I uh, uh, th- that would be weird if I went home and listened to my own voice. I mean, I, I know that some people do, but I certainly don't. <laughs> but, and I can't bear being in a restaurant when that comes on because I'd be so embarrassed. And if I go to people's homes and they think they're doing me a favor by putting on a PJ Powers track, I'm like, no, 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 please, guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but 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 to hear you to hear yourself on the radio is it's exciting it's wonderful and it still is
1: mm. and to be as you said you know during apartheid and i mean you, you talk about 1982 and what was going on mm. in the country and the separation and that I, i'm just going back to when you know how old i was in in 1982 and the sense of being so separate from um this, this the the
3: the
1: m- vast majority of this country um well, yes, not how we were brought these- up
2: Absolutely. We were completely segregated. You know, well, we sure. had no idea that the black people that worked in our homes had actually left their own children at home to come and look after right. us, you wow. know. And there was enormous segregation. I was exposed very young to it because my grandmother was one of the founder members of the African Children's Feeding Scheme. And she took me into my first township when I was about, I don't know, about five years old, five, six years old in and just outside of Peter Maritzburg. Mm-hmm. And I realised then, and 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 you know, the African Children's Feeding Scheme fed a lot of people. Hugh Masakela, Tokyo um, Sihoi, to name to name to name two, and um, uh, you know, it it was a, it was an, an amazing scheme. And I I remember thinking then how come, because I came from a privileged background, how come these little children and how come these people haven't got food? So, whilst I didn't make sense of it at such a young age, but the truth of the matter is in 1982, we were still, Apartheid was in full swing. Full you know, we swing. had whites-only whites um, movies, whites-only restaurants, whites-only everything, and blacks-only everything, you know, um, blacks-only buses. We forget how and then, of course, the real test of time came when we went into that most violent times in in, in, in the history of, of of our um of our revolution, if you want to call it, or our, our freedom to attain our freedom was sort of between, I would say, between eighty nine and ninety four, because then, of course, we had the Encarta Freedom Party thrown into the mix for a. For for good measure, um, so you know we as a country have, are, are deeply scarred as a, as a, as a as a nation. Um, mm. The psyche of our nation has been deeply scarred, and um, whether we like it or not, that is how it is.
1: Did you see yourself as a kind of a bridge in any way that you were so embraced by the black community with your music? Um, you had um, you know the white community loving your music as well. Did you did you? realize what was going on at the time and how did you use that position at that time
2: you know I think I think that from a very early age um injustice was was a huge um was it was an enormous uh uh, uh, bugbear for me I couldn't I couldn't bear injustice of any form of any form not necessarily black and white but of any form when something wasn't fair It didn't sit. I was uneasy with. I mean, if if a fellow schoolmate got punished when I knew she hadn't done that, didn't sit easily with me. From tiny little things like that to massive things like you're talking about in terms of in 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 the seat of our country. Mm -hmm. So injustice was not one of my big things. I never saw myself in the beginning. You know, Um, I didn't see myself as a bridge in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, the white. The, the The white South africans weren 't too pleased with me well i shouldn 't say that I should say that racist white south africans i 'm talking you know I had bricks thrown through my window and it was quite a scary time uh, not not right in the beginning but in in that sort of eighty nine to to ninety five but those were were not people like you and you know generally people that were listening and coming to the free free people 's concerts and all of that kind of thing. those were blatant uh, you know people that that blatantly disagreed with moving forward or any bridge and they mm-hmm. thought that I, I think they thought I was a communist or a or a, I don't know I was called a lot of things in those times Nikki but um in I wasn't consciously a bridge but I I, I realized after a while that subconsciously hotline had become this enormous bridge between we we, we had the, a, a bridge between black and white and yeah. and what happened with me was um excuse me if you can hear that sound it's people building down in, in the property next door um, <laughs> what, what happened with me was um was I suddenly realized that I had an enormous responsibility. That's what happened At very young, I kind of looked around and I thought, I can use this voice uh, that I have and this position and this platform that I have to do something useful or I can use it primarily and all for self-gain. And I must be honest, without wanting to sound like a a saint, um, I decided that I was gonna use the platform to, to try and do as much as I possibly could, which is what I still do. What, what choices did you have
1: in those days? I mean, what, 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 what does that look like when you make a very conscious decision to use your fame, um, in a positive way, as a positive force in a country that at that time was so broken?
2: What that face looks like is a lot of hatred from a lot of people. It's not a pretty face, actually uh the you know it's not a pretty face when you talk about the political implications of it of course I had the support you must remember of millions of people in this country so that was beautiful that that face was beautiful but the face that you're talking about was the face that got you know I got banned in this country in my own country I wasn't allowed to be heard on the airwaves for it was good two years um I was ch- chased constantly. I was on the I, I, my phone was tapped. The intelligence were the, I don't know what they thought I was doing, but but um, uh, you know I was I was looked at as somebody that that had to be watched. But you know I was young and I was determined, and I would do it all over again. But in hindsight, I really did give the the, the government of the time the middle finger. Um, (laughs) you were uh, brave you were very brave yeah I suppose I was I suppose I was um my father phoned me one day and he said do you think what you're doing is okay I said yes dad I do and put the phone down but um but I, I suppose I was I was brave at a very young age but it just seemed so natural it seemed so right and when something feels right in anything in life I think you've got to go with it. Mm, yeah. And in my gut, I knew what I was doing was right. PJ, moving on,
1: I mean, making a very conscious decision, um, everything that you did, as you say, you had this idea, very clear distinction between wrong or right, choosing very consciously to be on the right side of everything. Um yeah. going to Zimbabwe um with Maria Makeba and with Harry Belafonte. Um, yeah that was a, that was a,
2: that was quite that was quite uh precarious news.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, doing that and encouraging a letter from Victor Fastair Prison, um, you know, where, where Nelson Mandela wrote a letter to you, you know, all of these, all of these things. So I know that you sang a happy birthday song. You wrote a song for Nelson Mandela, but let's look a little bit more closely at this
2: incredible relationship that you had with this man. I did. Um, I have to be honest, I, that's part of the lucky star. When I look back on my life is Madiba had somehow, uh, I, I, you know, somehow Madiba received footage. Uh, no, not video footage. He was, he was at, there was a point in his, in his, um, incarceration where he was allowed to get newspapers and allowed a certain amount of time on the radio and allowed a certain amount of viewing time, television viewing time. And he must have seen an interview of myself when I went to Mozambique, which was for, uh, to, 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 um, this is why I say I really did fly in the face of our government because it was for, you know, we, the South Africa, we uh, were, we're supporting sort of, uh, UNITA and, um, and Renamo. And I went and, and fought for, uh, I mean, I went and sang for the troops in, in Angola for Swapo. And in, uh, Mozambique for, uh, uh, I forget, anyway, um, for, for Samora and Michelle and his, his, his people. And, um, I, I basically caused a lot, I, I caused a lot of, I, I caused a lot of trouble by doing it. I wasn't the only South African. You must understand that a lot of, we, there were a few of us and, um, so we, you know, I've lost my train of thought, but, um, but yeah. Nelson it, Mandela, it, it, you
1: were, you were talking about your relationship with Nelson Mandela. So Nelson
2: Mandela, yeah. So Nelson Mandela, um, got wind of the fact that I had done this. He also got wind of the fact that I can't remember what year it is, but I was performing at, um, there was a band in this country called the Psycho Reptiles, who I'm sure that a lot of people re- listening to this program will, will, will remember them. But there was, yeah, there were there was a band called Psycho Reptiles, and we were performing at Howard College, and it was after Hotline had broken up, and I went on stage, um, I went on stage and did a a song that I'd, I'd written for Nelson Mandela. He was still in prison, and the Psycho Reptiles and all of their fans, they incited them to start throwing cans, and I decided the band was saying, "We've got to get off, we've got to get off." And I said to them, they're going to run out of cans before I will stop singing. <laughs> and this, this occasion got to, to the, um, got to Nelson Mandela. I don't know how, I don't, but he was tickled pink at this story. And he wrote to me. And the reason I'm, I know that it was those occasions was he mentioned those occasions and said that as a, as a young person, he was very pleased with the decisions I was making, and and urged me also not to become too political because then I would lose lose you know because it would lose impact. But it was a lovely letter in which he sent love to my mum and dad and my family and, and and signed himself Uncle Nelson. And when he came out of prison, um, when he came out of prison, oh, because I wrote back and said that I didn't maybe agree with everything. That he stood for. I mean, can you believe that anyone can be so cheeky? But, um, <laughs> uh, but but I would like the opportunity to disagree. And he wrote, you know, that he 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 well, he, he was sure that we could iron out our differences um, uh, w- w- when he was released from prison. And when he was released from prison, he there was a in the in, he was released in the February and in, in the October there was a concert um, at Ellis Park, and he asked to see me. And that was the day I met him and Winnie um, at Ellis Park. And then from then onwards, he invited me to his inauguration to sing at his inauguration. And once again, asked if I would go up to the presidential house for lunch. He just seemed to like what I stood for and he embraced me. And I think he would smile at me because I'm very forthright. And, and he, and I was even more forthright as he, as a young person and, And I, I think that he, he smiled at me and he, he would always tell people, um, about this story. And then he invited me, he asked Zelda to invite me to his 85th birthday and to write the 85th birthday song. And in the end, I used to go and sit at the house and play songs and just, and sing to him. Um, I had many a life where we would, we would sit and, and we would talk and he was just an incredible, incredible person. Uh, we know what he was we all know what he was You know, but he was actually more than we ever thought
1: I can imagine and I think as you said that in itself when you talk about a lucky star to have access to that must have been phenomenal PJ please hold for us we're going to take a quick break um, and we're going to continue with your incredible incredible story stay with us
0: life isn't about avoiding the bruises it's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link.
1: Welcome back. We have the beautiful PJ Powers, known as Tandeka, on the show. Um, PJ has just been sharing her extraordinary life story with us. Incidentally, there's a 90-minute documentary which she's going to be um, filming shortly. Um, We'll keep you updated as to when you can watch it. So all of these stories and a whole lot more will be in this documentary. Um, PJ telling us about growing up, finding fame, her relationship with Nelson Mandela, how forthright she was. Um, When it came to South African politics, doing so much um, in resistance to the apartheid regime at the time, just an extraordinary, strong, powerful individual who shared a stage with Eric Clapton and Joan Armatrading and Hugh Masekele, Divine Divas, Richard Attenborough, Richard E. Grant, Zimbongile Kumalo, Janet Sussman, Queen Elizabeth Wow, King Juan Carlos of Spain. I could go on and on and on, PJ. You, no, you <laughs> make me <you> sound old. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not old, but boy, layered and so, so interesting. So let's go to this because you threw in a little bit earlier, and you and I have discussed it before. Three eleven years sober. So anyone listening to your story would go, This is the luckiest person in the world. She she must
2: be so happy. Life must be so perfect. 11 years sober, what what happened? You know, I think that what happened was what happens with anyone that is out there suffering with addiction is I got caught up in the cycle of, of, of alcohol abuse, where in the beginning I drank to party and to have a good time, and then I crossed over that fine line into drinking alcoholically and uh, drinking to get over hangovers, actually never drinking for any other reason other than to escape. And I'd been a really happy drunk. Um, As I say, I was a late starter. Um, I started drinking. I think I had my first alcoholic beverage when I was twenty six or something. But um, but I but I and I and I was people loved me. Uh, I was a happy drunk. The more I drank, the more everybody, the more I loved everyone. And I wasn't aggressive. would never gotten, I was, they want to be at every party, everyone. I was very, very popular. And then <laughs> I started to drink for the, for the wrong reasons. I got caught up in a relationship which didn't work for me emotionally because I was, you know, I was, I think at the seat of all addiction is a lack of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I know that people will find it hard to believe that I battle. Still do with self-worth, but I do and I still battle with, um, with approval, needing approval and permission from people. So mm-hmm. what happened was I got caught up with in, in a relationship that highlighted that and pressed that particular button. And it was just downhill from there. I just started to drink for the completely the wrong reasons. I started to drink to escape. I started to drink to sleep, to, you know, to sleep until eventually I closed my curtains and I closed my, my, I locked my doors, only emerged to, to get alcohol. And, um, and eventually they took my house and my car and I was with, with, you know, I had my clothes, um, and was staying with my sister. Mm. And, um, you know, my, I think the, my, my, my bottom line was, I mean, my rock bottom was, was drinking my own hairspray. Um, because, uh, you know, five rehabs later, sure. you know when to get alcohol if it's not in your regular scotch or vodka bottle. And um, and flex seemed like a good option at the time. You know, flex <laughs> hairspray. Um, sure. You know, I, I want to pay real attention to, to to that getting sober is one thing. Staying sober is another. And most importantly, the quality of your sobriety. Is probably the most important, Um, and if you have quality of sobriety, you have more chance of staying sober. And I need to tell people that are listening out there that my 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 I eventually got it after five years. I was not an early adopter. Uh, I mean, adapter or you know, I really wasn't. Took me five years and five rehabs to to get to to go to walk into an AA meeting probably with a couple of drinks under my belt um, and, and just my, and and my sister, like a winch at my arm, um, taking me to these AA meetings and eventually the penny dropped. And I, what I realized was I was sick and tired of being sick and tired because there are no happy people in active addiction. And I say that, and I, I will, I will, if anyone says that they are then they 're lying um, so what I did was I sobered up, and sobering up was has been it, i mean it 's been the best no it's it it was sobering up was fantastic and i i 'm very careful with my words because in the last two years i 've been questioning the quality of my sobriety, mm-hmm. which is how stressed am i how what is my self worth um, what and COVID has been an incredible lesson of how much can I be with myself? How much can I? More importantly than anything, can I surrender? How much do I believe that I don't have to be in control? Um, how much do I have to live within my circle of um, my, my circle of, of of influence? You know, I worry if I'm, I'm sitting, I get terribly concerned about people living in 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 India and that's empathy but it turns into something completely different when I when I get desperate about it and that's then it Mm -hmm. turns into ego which is that I can't do anything about the people in India so I have to because otherwise because I can drive myself mad because I've got empathy overload so Mm -hmm. what I've learned to do learning I don't think I ever learn it I don't think we ever do is to value I'm trying to live My, my, my best of the life that I've been given. I'm trying to do the best and be the best. And I've been working with Ian Furr, um, who I know you has been interviewed on, on Chai, uh, many times and the Hatch Institute with his coaching and developing my own coaching program in working with in my own public speaking is how do we learn to operate in the best way in our years, not necessarily always sobriety because, you know, I mean, people that are not living in sobriety are invariably sober, but how do we live the best that we can with our lives? And I've developed a program and skills. And, you know, they say that we teach that which we most need to learn. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: I'm loving doing that because the quality of my sobriety was not what it should have been. I realized that I had the same anger issues, the same rage, the same um, insecurities, the same... I didn't drink, but I was living with the same issues because I wasn't living the serenity prayer. I wasn't saying, you know, grant me the serenity. And this applies to everyone, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference and that is incredibly important for all of us not just for people you know recovering from some kind of illness or we have to know that we've got it that we that we the, the sooner we get that that we accept that that things will not always and 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 the ability i'll give you an example i was meant to go to Neisner for a, a, a holiday and it was all planned and all paid for and there were no refunds or anything like that. And then the second way the COVID came. And I was, my sister and I was so disappointed and we'd paid and we'd done everything. And it was like a week before. In that week, I got enormous more opportunities than I've received. That, I, that right now I have a future that looks rosy because I didn't go to Nasdaq on holiday. So it's mm-hmm. letting go of mm-hmm. those things. That there's a flip side. To every coin that we think we can't cope with it mm. really is
1: yeah i love that wow pj we're going to take another break we'll be right back what a an amazing shift in your career stay with us please
0: life isn't about avoiding the bruises it's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it join nikki seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness there is a warrior inside each of us this is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link.
1: Welcome back. We have the wonderful PJ Powers on the show. Just before the break, PJ talking about moving into the motivational speaking space, becoming a coach. And that serenity prayer, and as you said, it's not just to be used at the AA, um, PJ, mm-hmm. that people, all people should use this. I'm, I'm thinking about people during the time of COVID, the fear of getting ill, loss of job. Um, and a diagnosis, like a cancer diagnosis and the God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So beautiful. So, so PJ moving forward, um, are you doing mm. a lot of zoom calls? Um, I know that you've
2: written a book in the past. How, how, how is this
1: working quickly before we say goodbye?
2: Okay. Writing another book. Uh, doing the um doing the, uh, uh, the, the 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 movie. Um I'm doing some new stuff. I'm just doing some new tracks. Um, got a single coming out very. I don't know in a month or two called Just Breathe. Just did a lovely track with uh, with Nzanzi Youth Choir. Um, but uh, the yeah, I'm doing a lot of coaching. I'm loving every minute of it. People mm-hmm. can follow me on on my Facebook, which is just PJ Powers Tandega. And then it was on Instagram and, um, I'm, you know, my, this, my, my website for all of this is, is under construction, but I'm doing, um, I am still doing music, but I'm loving filling this part of what I believe that I, I have something, I believe I have something to offer. Mm. And so, so, so I really want to concentrate on doing it. I'm, I am going to be doing some performance workshops because I see too many talented people. We stand up, and then I don't know how to deliver their talent. And I think, oh, no, 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 not that I'm the oracle, but I do know that I know how to entertain. And you need to learn how to deliver your talent, not just be your talent. Mm-hmm. And, of course, just generally my motto in life is is that we become what we're meant to be when we give ourselves permission to be that. <laughs> so uh, you know, beautiful. I, I really do, do that.
1: Oh, so beautiful. And what I love is that you are so fluid with everything that's happening um, from the singing um, writing a book. You've got this documentary that's coming up about your life. Now the coaching, the motivational speaker, you're fluid, you're in flow. Um, and-, oh, I'm in flow.
2: and by the way, just to add a bit of humor and comedy, mm-hmm. although I won't laugh if I have a hip like this because I'll be able to buy, Hi, I'll buy the station is I'm also writing K-pop songs, Korean pop songs. Which oh, wow. Has been out- no. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe it? Which <laughs> is a revelation and an experience and, that I'm just loving. I'm working with a lot of 26-year-olds and I'm loving every single minute of it. Oh,
3: so that's, just, that's oh,
2: just amazing. <laughs> You've inspired
1: us all. You've inspired me. I could listen to you for another five hours. We've only just scratched the surface. Um, really finding out about your extraordinary life. But thank you for your time. All the best. Keep us updated. We're looking forward to the documentary that comes up. But do take care and God bless.
2: Nikki, thanks, and thanks to all those listeners in On Fire.
1: Thank you so much, PJ. PJ Powers on uh, the DL Link Show. We're going to bid you farewell playing a song. Well, it speaks for itself. We heard it. We've danced to it. It's had great success. The wonderful, the extraordinary PJ Powers with Jabulani. For me, Nikki Severini, until next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.